thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. To the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. Welcome. We are so glad you've taken the time to join us today on Jesus the Healer and thank God for his word and thank God for people who love the word like you do, honor the word like you do, and we have this joyous opportunity to feed on it together. So thank you for joining us. We love getting to do this. I tell you, it's one of the greatest joys of my life to get to bring this to you and uh, thank you for being hungry. Hungry for what God has to say. Amen. Amen. Um, we invite you as always, go back, watch the previous episodes to this series if you missed them. Because we started another one talking about a subject that God is going to lead you in a way that's best for your faith. Not in a way that is most convenient for your flesh. Because <laughs> we know what's convenient for our flesh sometimes, don't we? What's easiest on our flesh. But God is, he's developing us and building us into those with a robust faith. A stalwart faith, not just a struggling weak faith. He wants us to come into the fullness of the strength of faith. And so um, we've started this direction and we're going to go back to our golden text that we're reading out of Ephesians chapter four and verse 11, verses 11 through 13, talking about that Jesus gave gifts to the body of Christ. And this is where we start. And Jesus gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So there's listed the fivefold offices, the fivefold ministry offices. And then it goes on why he gave them for the perfecting or the maturing and the, of the saints. Mm -hmm. Why? So that the saints can do the work yeah. of the ministry, right. work inside the local church, but work outside the local church among the, those you meet every day. And then it says this also for the edifying of the body of Christ. So he's saying this, that when we sit under these gift ministries, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and we become doers of what they teach, we not only grow up, but we also become a greater blessing to those we come in contact with. And not only that, we help the body of Christ to be grown, yes. fortified, yes. strengthened, yes. because God wants his, Jesus wants his body strong. Don't you want your body strong? Your physical body, you want it strong. Well, Jesus wants his body strong too. Amen. And so um, these gift ministries help us. Then it goes on and it says, till we all come, look at this, we're all included in this. No one is excluded. God has in mind for us that we all come in the unity of the faith. Notice it doesn't say the unity of doctrine. Right. Right. Sometimes people can see things from a little different angle, but it's about unity of the faith. Right. 
And then notice this, and until we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God. Well, what does that mean? You say, well, I'm, because Paul, Paul's writing to people that are born again. Mm-hmm. Oh, is he talking about that people would know that Jesus uh, died for them, paid the price for them? Well, these are people who are already part of the family. Yes. So when he says that they would come till we all come in the knowledge of the Son of God, what's that mean? Who you are in Christ. Right. Till you know who you are in Christ. Yes. Till you know what belongs to you right. because you're in Christ. And what you can do because you're in Christ. That's the knowledge of the Son of God. Um, And then he goes on till we all come unto a perfect man. What's that mean? A fully developed spiritual being. That our spiritual lives, our spiritual development isn't comes to maturity. We don't stay babies. We don't stay undeveloped spiritually, but we grow up into spiritual manhood. So notice this, till we all come unto a perfect or fully developed man spiritually. And then he tells us, how do we know if we're, if we're fully developed? Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, meaning this, he's our standard. Amen. He's the measuring stick, not our neighbor, Jesus himself. So um, we can say this, that the way our lives are to look, our lives are to look like Jesus's. That's right. The way he lived, he showed us how the new creation is to live. That's right. That's us. That he was our example, that what his life produced, our life can produce. The way he fulfilled God's plan for his life, we can fulfill God's plan for our life. Yes. Amen. Amen. How do we, how do we grow into spiritual maturity to where our spirit is developed and strong? Um, We practice it. When do we practice it? Not just at church time, not just at crisis time, every day, every day we have to implement the doing of the word, taking advantage of every opportunity to become skillful. Um, with our spiritual lives. Now, one way our lives are to look like Jesus's earthly life was in, is in our faith life. He had the faith of God. How did he accomplish and produce what was, what was produced through his earthly ministry? He cooperated with God by faith. How do we fulfill what we're born for? We cooperate with God by faith. How do we produce what Jesus produced? The same way he did. We cooperate with God by faith. So we have to give attention to our faith life that every day we're taking advantage of everyday opportunities to use our faith. Don't lay down your faith when the opportunity to use your faith comes. Develop your faith. God is going to put a demand on the development of our faith life. He's going to lead us into following him in a way that's going to demand that we can only do that by faith. Um, Because he has our faith in mind. Sometimes we have our finances in mind, (laughs) but he's got our faith in mind. Sometimes we have our convenience in mind, but he has our faith in mind. Sometimes we have the acceptance of other people in mind and he has our faith in mind. So we have to pay attention. We want our faith developed. So we're not going to resist those places that are going to develop our faith. Amen. Right. Right. Amen. We're not going to uh, try to avoid right. 
those, yeah. those, those leadings. We're not going to disagree with God at those points. We're going to say, okay, let's go. Let's move forward into this. Amen. Amen. Faith works the same in every arena. Amen. Once you know the law of faith, what is the law of faith? Put the word in your mouth. Excuse me. Put the word in your heart. Put it in your mouth. And not only that, have faith thoughts. Think faith thoughts. Think the thoughts of the word and act. Do. Do. Um, so once we learn this and become skillful, we have to apply it in every arena. Faith works the same in every arena, but we must develop faith for every arena. What are the arenas? Well, spiritually, mentally, physically, mature, materially, that's going to deal with our finances. It's going to deal with our possessions. It's going to deal with how we, uh, how we conduct our relationships in this life, right? Yes. Amen. That's, that's an right. arena. Isn't your marriage and your home life and yes. your family an arena? And how you believe God physically for your body. Yes. That's an arena, right? Second um, Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul is writing here. And he says this, We are bound to thank God always for you. Brethren, as it is meet or as it is right, because, look at this, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Mm-hmm. He's thanking God that their faith is growing and he's commending them because your faith is growing. And notice this, in the charity or the love walk mm-hmm. of every one of you, all toward each other aboundeth. So notice uh, our faith growing is also connected to our love walk growing, developing, right? I want you to see these words. I like this, these words that are, that are used here. Faith groweth exceedingly. He didn't just say faith groweth, but he said faith groweth exceedingly. When, when you exceed at something, maybe a certain skill, you want to know why you made it a focus. You put your attention on it. You gave it an all-out effort. You don't, you don't excel at anything being half-hearted. You become greatly skilled when you make it a focus, make it part of your attention. So he said, your faith groweth exceedingly. Also, when I see that word, our faith to grow exceedingly also implies that it will exceed every opposition that comes against us. It's an exceeding, exceeding growing faith. And so no matter what comes against us, when our faith is growing as it ought, it will exceed every opposition in our way. Meaning this opposition will not take us off course. Opposition will not hold us back from advancement. We'll make progress. We should be progressing in our faith life. Know this, we should, be, we should be progressing in our faith life. We should be able to look back last year and say, wait a minute, I have advanced and there's fruit of my faith in my life that shows me I'm advancing. Now, we'd love to advance overnight, wouldn't we? But it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. Um, what's going to speed up our advancement in faith? how diligent we are to use our faith daily. That's right. If we only use it periodically, we'll advance slowly. Amen. If we'll employ it every day, we can advance exceedingly. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. So how does our faith grow? Well, you got to feed your faith and you got to use your faith. Yes. Feed your faith, use your faith. 
Feed your faith, use your faith. You will not grow in faith just because you fed it. There's no skill in just feeding your faith. The skill comes when you employ that faith, you use that faith. How do you use it? Through what you say and through what you do. How do you spend that faith? Through what you say, through what you do. Amen. Amen. So for our faith to grow, we have to feed it and we have to use it. We have to spend that faith. God will direct you to do things that really aren't that important in the scope of life just to give your faith practice ground. Um, For example, um, there have been times that I have gone years ago, I would go just to go buy something at the store. Had the money for it, needed it, found what I wanted. But when I got up to the counter on the inside of me, I had a check, don't do that. Mm. Not because it was wrong, but because he had another way for me to, to handle this. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. When I followed that, mm-hmm. what was he giving me? He was giving me experience at hearing and obeying. That's right. Hearing and obeying. It wasn't a big deal what I was going to buy. It wasn't going to mean anything to my, to my, my salvation. (laughs) It wasn't going to throw my life off course. He was looking for opportunities that are not important in the scope of life to give us time to practice and a place to practice. Now, if we overstep those opportunities and just do what we're going to do anyway, we're going to miss out on some skill. Every time we follow the leading of the Spirit of God, our our faith gains skill. Every time we ignore a leading of the Spirit or don't recognize a leading of the Spirit, our faith loses proficiency. We need our faith proficient. We need it skillful. We need it accurate. Amen. So know this, every time we choose not to follow the way our spirit is leading us, our faith will be affected by that. But every time we choose to obey what our spirit is leading us to do, our faith is also affected in the positive direction. Amen. So God will lead you. If I could say this, if you could see me put a hand here, a hand here, and I say that this is your faith life in here, or this is your measure of faith that you're living at yeah. in, this, in this span. Mm-hmm. We could get in the middle part of that and be quite comfortable. Mm-hmm. We could get at the backside, the back edge of our faith yeah. and be quite comfortable. God doesn't want us to look for places of comfort for our faith. <laughs> He wants us to get on the front edge yes. of our faith. Right. At the front edge, you, can, you, don't, you don't go beyond the faith that's in your heart. Right. But you can stretch. Keep your feet here, but stretch forward. Stretch, stretch forward. Right. Why? Because you, you say, I'm going, I'm going, I'm advancing. I'm, I'm not just content to live at one stagnant place in my faith life. Because can I tell you this? Faith isn't stagnant. No. That's right. Mm-hmm. Amen. Don't think wrong about that. Faith is either growing or diminishing. That's right. Amen. It's growing in strength or it's diminishing in strength. That's right. I like what one minister said. It was, it landed in me the way he said that. I never thought about it this way. He said, faith has a very short shelf life. Yes, that's right. 
meaning it will not stay an active living thing when it's not being released. It will start diminishing. It will not, it won't advance. Uh, Faith is a living thing. How do we know that? Because James said that some people, their faith was dead. What does it mean to have dead faith? You know, if you saw an animal dead on the side of the road, it doesn't mean that animal doesn't exist. You can see the body of that animal, but it's dead. What's that mean? No movement. This is what James called dead faith. It's not moving. It's, they're, they're not using it. The body of that animal is no longer being used. There's no movement. There's no progress. That, that body is not moving to a different location. It's not doing anything. It's dead. There's no movement to it. That's what we, we want to stay away from is a faith that's dead. You have it, but it's no, not moving. That's dead faith. Yes, that's right. It doesn't mean that it disappeared. It means that it's, it's still, it's, it's got a shape to it, but it's not benefiting anyone. Amen, that's right. And it starts diminishing in strength. The more it's unused. Do you know that's what our human body does? If people do not, if we don't keep our bodies moving, it'll, it'll, it'll grow in weakness. The weakness side will grow the strength side will diminish. And they, you know, they tell you, how do you keep a body in motion? Keep it moving. That's right. Right? There have been times if someone has a, um, let's say they have some kind of medical procedure done on an arm. Mm -hmm. And what do they immediately do after surgery? Get it moving. Get it moving. Why? To get it restored back to strength and mobility. What is it that does that? Movement. Movement. You, you, you stretch that. You put pressure on that. It's a positive pressure. It's not a pressure that's going to injure it, but it's a pressure that puts a demand on it. God doesn't put pressure on us, but he puts a demand on us. He'll put a demand on our faith. And how does he put a demand on our faith? He'll lead us to do something. He will not force us. He will lead us. He'll offer it and say, if you want strong faith, take this direction. Right. Amen. Amen. And we don't want to flip back to the flesh and say, I want to do what's convenient. No, I want to do what's, what's best for my faith. Because why? I need my faith to fulfill the plan of God. You need your faith to fulfill the plan of God. We don't want a dead faith. We don't want to just feed our faith and admire it. And admire that we know things about faith, that we know laws of faith, because that doesn't mean it's living. It's only with it moving, yes. being released, being activated that it's benefiting us. Yes. Amen. Amen. So God will direct you and lead you to do things that you go, that doesn't make sense why I need to do it. I don't need that. No, but your faith may need it. Amen. Let me give you an example. Um, when my husband went home to be with the Lord, about a month before he had bought a beautiful what we call a luxury car, had a big engine in it. So after he, and I had been driving my mom car, 
you know. I love my mom car. I, I use it like a pickup truck. I could fit stuff in it, you know, because we're hauling stuff. I'm always hauling stuff. I look like a pack mule. I'm always carrying something, you know, and especially when you have a traveling ministry, you're always carrying something. You need room to haul luggage, go to airports, all of this. So Ed had this beautiful luxury car. So because he was no longer here, I took it over and I enjoyed the luxury of that car. I enjoyed that engine. I mean, it had a big engine in it. And when you go to get on the freeway out here in California, you could put your foot in it. And I mean, it would throw you back in that seat and that throwback <laughs> felt great. It, 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 was, it was the feeling of power. It was the feeling of strength. And so somebody said to me, they said, you know, Pastor Nancy, when it comes time to get another vehicle, are you going to get another one like that? And I said, I don't really need a car that has this big of an engine because I'm sure that engine is very frustrated having to drive at a slower speed, right? <laughs> it's not getting to stretch its legs, but, and, and I'm not a car connoisseur in the sense of some people absolutely love vehicles. I like them too, but I'm just saying it's not at the top of my list. Jewelry is kind of pretty up there. <laughs> <laughs> but meaning that cars are not what I think of first. So it would, um, when he got this car, it was more on the expensive side because of the size of the engine. So when somebody asked me, are you going to get another one like that? And I said, you know, in all honesty, I don't need that big of an engine. So I could get a less expensive car, but my faith needs the stretch. So I'm not going to regress or go down to a lesser model, not because that would be wrong. If, if that's all I wanted, that's fine. But I was thinking of my faith and not just of my finances. Yes. I need to have stretch put on my faith. That's why you can't look at someone else and say, why do they have that? They don't need that. Maybe their faith needs that. And everyone's faith is at a different measure or strength of development. So we can't say, I don't need that. Why do they need that? Because maybe their faith needs that to stretch. That's why we can't compare what someone should or should not do based on our own lives. Um, I'm reminded of something that hearing a certain minister that has uh, a piece of equipment for their ministry. And it's a great piece of equipment. And it's an expensive piece, but it is a vital piece to their ministry. And um, they had had that for a period of time and God started dealing with them about another version of that e piece of equipment. And people might look at that and the other version is even more expensive. And people might think, well, they don't need a, another, a higher version when this one is sufficient to do the job. Now, wait a minute. We don't just buy, buy something or acquire something only for the function. Right. But what does it do for our faith? Yes, that's it. Now, someone else may see the first version that this minister has and goes, 
that's good enough for anybody. But if their faith easily supports that, mm -hmm. then that's no stretch for their faith. Mm -hmm. Why would God tell someone to get a further version, right. an advanced version, a newer version? Because God's not just thinking about the function, He's thinking about the faith. Amen. That that's that person right. has so developed their faith that what God assigns to them may be further than what the average or ordinary or everyday person would have to, would be believing for. Right. Because this is not just about function. Yeah. It's about God's going to do what's best for our faith. So that's why we can't look at someone and say they should or should not have something. Because God knows their faith and he's going to lead them based on what their faith needs to keep growing. Now, you walk me into a, a, a gym where they have weights and things, I go, you know, if I'm just going to lift something, mm, 20 is good, 20 is good, you know. But you have a bodybuilder who's been in there every day and they have developed their muscles greatly, 20 won't do anything for them. Right. They will regress in strength yes. if they keep just, if they just start lifting 20 pounds a day. Amen. For me, it might be put a, 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 a strain or a stretch on me, but it would be a weakening level for them. So he has to go in because of his development, he has to go in and do what's going to put a stretch on his muscle development. Same thing with faith. Right. Don't look at someone's life and decide what they should or should not have because God's going to direct them based on what's going to help develop their faith. That's right. That's Amen. And it might look like more than where you're at. Right. But we can't say they're wrong because they're believing for more Amen. or laying hold of more than That's what right. we think is needed. Amen. Because it's not always about just the item. It's not always just about the function of something. It's about the faith development. Right. Yes. In the gym, it's not just about how much weight you're lifting. It's about how much, is your, how much are your muscles being strengthened. Right. Amen. That's true. See, it's something that you, that's inside here that you're tending to. It's not just the barbell itself. That's right. Amen. Amen. Well, we're learning, aren't we? God's going to do what's best for our faith. And what a fun ride, right? You know, those bodybuilders that they do, they love the process. Absolutely. You can love the process when God puts a stretch on you if you think right. Amen. If you treat it like it's something that's an inconvenience and think wrong, then, uh, then you won't enjoy the process the way you should and the way God intended. It is great fun. The faith life is the best life. It's a fun, fun life. Why? Because it's the flow of God. Amen. Well, you don't want to miss upcoming episodes. And until next time, remember, Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org. Jesus gave us the key to his success. He stayed with the plan that God gave him to fulfill. In this book by Nancy Dufresne, God the Revealer of Secrets, you will learn how to know God's perfect will for your life and how to accomplish that divine plan. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org.
This is Pastor Nancy Dufresne inviting you to join us in Murrieta, California at World Harvest Church for our annual Holy Ghost meetings. The dates are January the 5th through the 10th. We're inviting everyone to go to our website at DufresneMinistries.org and register. We look forward to seeing you there. God bless you. Jesus called healing the children's bread. Nancy Dufresne's book, Daily Healing Bread from God's Table, contains daily portions of healing bread for you to feast on and meditate on in your thought life throughout the day. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.